Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thieves Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay, this week we are talking about the 11th episode of the second season called The Bottle Job. Beth, what did you think? Okay, here's the fucking thing. I know my prediction last week Mm -hmm. was about like, oh, maybe it's like a bottle maybe it's like a recycling depot. I, do you know what? I, wrong, wrong track. Yeah. Like, I was thinking about what happened to the bottles before you buy them or the bottles after you use them. I was not thinking about drinking from bottles. <laughs> so I like, I do like that the title is kind of, it's almost like meta in and of itself. Yeah. And it's also a pun. Yeah. Because it's like, it's a bottle job because it's a bottled episode because yeah. they're all in like the one location, which yeah. by the way, I have some thoughts about how like clever that was. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. But it's also a pun because it's like the bottle as in like the drink. They're and the bar. Oh my god. Yeah. The sorry, I'm just gonna dive straight no, in. No, go. The fucking tension of this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus Christ. I know the whole first season I was like, I hate Nate so much. Yeah. He's so annoying. And like this plot line is driving me bonkers. But the payoff mm-hmm. of this episode, like I if past Bethany could hear me now, mm-hmm. she'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But quite genuinely, the payoff of this episode made it worth it. Yeah. All of the shit from season one was made worth it by this episode alone because yeah. you understand so intrinsically and immediately the potential detriment of that one sip. Mm-hmm. Like the tension of that. And the problem is that Nate is put in a position where he's like, right, if I don't do this, it fucks the con because I'm going to lose this guy immediately. And but not only does it fuck the con, it's it means that Cora now has no way to – Yeah. It, she has no recourse for this. Exactly. It, it's also – it fucks over the entire community mm-hmm. because he – like, they – they give it these stakes that you can understand while, why Nate doesn't just go, okay, no, I'll walk away, I'll rework the con and then we'll come back. Yeah, and, like, I guess he could say, like, hey, buddy, like, I'm sober or whatever. But, but then why didn't he say that at the beginning when he was like, I'll get this guy a drink? Yeah, exactly. And, and then the Mark's going to know something's up. And it also changes the focus of their conversation. Mm. Yeah. Like, at the moment, he's trying to build, like, rapport, and yeah. he's trying to, like, sort of have that bit of banter by putting and quite a serious note on it. He's, like, if you were just genuinely having a conversation with someone mm-hmm. and they said, oh, like, you're not drinking, like, is everything okay? Yeah. And you said, oh, actually, like, I don't drink. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, okay, like, you know, and you might have a little bit of discussion about it, but it, essentially you move on. But in this particular instance, he can't af- – they don't have fucking time. No. He can't afford for there to be a little diversion into, like, you know, oh, like – They're doing you know, a con that normally takes three, three weeks, weeks that is in the space ambitious. of 90 minutes. Fucking mental. And and this is the other thing. Like, I kept forgetting the time crunch. Yeah. Like, because what was really well done about this episode, and I am going to, like – this is a little bit of a, a spoiler for the end, but I did give it quite a high rating because okay. I do think that this episode not only was enjoyable to watch, but technically I think was phenomenal. I, there are so many aspects of it where I was like, that is so clever. That yeah. is so clever. That is so perfectly done. Like, And we haven't even jumped into the character analysis no, of this episode yet. goodness, which is my favourite thing. So, oh, this is just going to be like however long of me just gushing. So, Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> so, okay. Basically... There was so usually, usually, and in leverage, but in all, also yeah. like other media, you have like one particular sort of looming threat yeah. 
that is sort of pushing the episode or pushing the yeah. plot forward, right? Or pushing the characters in. And any sort of timeline is just because that threat is out there and they want to sort of stop it as quick as possible. Exactly. To reduce the damage. In this episode, there were so many pressure points that I forgot about the time crunch. Yeah. Like every time they brought it up, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, they've got to like, they, you know, they've got to do this within a certain amount yeah. of time. And I was like, my good lord, like the only, I, I did dock points for for a couple of things in the yeah. episode. But the No, one, there are a couple of things in this episode that I don't love and we will talk we about We will them. talk about those. But I did dock points because it made me stressed to watch it. And that's like just not enjoyable. But the thing is, like the reason I was stressed was because it was done so well. Mm-hmm. Like they had me tense. Yeah. And one of the other things that I adored was the moment when they all realized that Nate was gonna was put yeah. in a position where he has to take the drink and we get a reaction from everyone including Tara who doesn't even really understand the stakes mm-hmm. involved here you can see her like confusion like oh this is she, she understands she's been told this is bad this she's- is momentous what is happening but I don't fully understand the context and everyone else is just having that oh no she moment. understands and this is bad because Sophie beautiful she understands it's bad because Sophie has told her it is bad yeah but she has not seen Nate when he's drinking she does not know what it actually means. She doesn't know what a mess he was in the first season. Yeah. And, like, oh, God, it was just so, like, even the music choices mm-hmm. in that moment, like, it was just so, like, the episode, I felt like you could hear a fucking pin drop because I stopped breathing. It's, like, for an episode <laughs> that's actually pretty well silent. Like, like, it's an episode that's, like, go, 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 go. you got to beat the time crunch. Yeah. And then the the episode just stops yeah in that moment and it's like that what is more important to him helping other people or staying sober yeah and i'm sorry but like we're gonna get to the dean winchester coding of nathan ford in this episode because <laughs> here for it you were not expecting this no i, I was, was sitting not. on this the entire first season <laughs> um which is, every time i'm like i fucking hate him and you're like he's your blobo <laughs> but in disguise <laughs> He's your blobo, but, like, 20 years older and, like, actually, like, a ma- okay, he's Dean Winchester, but if Dean Winchester managed to get out of the life, uh-huh. settle down, fall in love, mm-hmm. and then his kid died and his wife left him. <laughs> what if I told you? What? We what get that version of Dean Winchester. What if I told you? We'll touch on that in season 13. <laughs> In a slightly different way. And actually, actually, do you know more accurately, we'll touch on that in season 15. <laughs> I wish, I wish I was kidding. Like, you know, obviously they don't yeah. get out of the life, but like, you know, the, the wife dying or the wife leaving and the kid dying, then look, we'll, we'll get there. But no, so like, am I wrong? Am I wrong here? Look, I I am not going to I'm not going to equate the characters yeah. 100% obviously, oh. but I can see the similarities. I yeah. see the I see the ties. Yeah. Uh I would I would probably argue that Nate is more John coded mm. than Dean coded specifically. Um or even Sam. Yeah. Honestly, with the whole rage thing, but does Sam also have a drinking addiction? I swear to God, Jamie. Um, Sorry, this is the leverage point. Yeah, we're talking about the wrong show. We need to move on from this. Point is, no, I did not expect Nate's backstory. It did hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was, well, I had emotions. Okay, so would you like to share your emotions about Nate's backstory with the okay. class? Okay. So, 
basically, I was confused. Mm-hmm. And that's the primary emotion. And then I think I went into shock because what's happened is I watched this episode and then I had about 10 minutes hanging out with my dog and then Jamie arrived. And so I haven't really processed yeah. anything. Uh, I do. So I'm mostly still in shock mm. because it, it did immediately clear up for me. I'm like, oh my God, this is why those dudes fucking episodes ago yep. knew about Nate's yep. like backstory and shit. Cause we, this is the first we've kind of sort of circled yep. back to that. And I was like, oh my God, well, that makes a lot more fucking sense now. And the whole, the whole thing of how, okay, the thing about Nate being able to very like calmly, like be like, yes, this was my dad's office. This is where he sat. This is where he conducted his business. And I sat there and watched him break people's fingers because they, I was like, you can only speak about that kind of experience with that much calm and like remove, like that's a trauma thing. Like that's, and obviously it's a trauma thing, but I was like the ability to like, speak so blatantly and objectively and like outwardly calmly about it mm. is such a like you have emotionally removed yourself yeah. from this because you can't be emotionally mm. involved in this and it's just it's fucking fascinating and then we also have the fun little parallels of Nate then later on in the episode breaking his fucking oh, wrist i did not see that coming I did not see that coming, and I don't know how I feel about it. I don't think I feel good. Yeah. <laughs> I think I don't know what I was experiencing about that, but it wasn't positive. No. It was, oh, no. And it was, it is the closest we have come to seeing Nate actually committing a crime that we couldn't really, like, like, it wasn't necessary. Like, yeah. every crime that Nate, or really most of the sort of, thieving gang yeah. have committed in in terms of the episodes of the yeah. show have been necessary like any like n- sort of bad thing that they have done has been a means to an end yeah this wasn't this was i mean an it kind add-on. of was but it was like i mean yes his point was already made yeah it was just putting another nail in the coffin it wasn't necessarily a necessary nail mm. but it, it was technically in service of something yes i was just i was very surprised I didn't expect it. Emotions. Emotions. And the fact that he wasn't sober, mm-hmm. as it happens, yeah. uh, I think is interesting. Oh, something else that is very interesting about this episode. Okay. At no point in this episode yeah. did Nate wear a dumb hat. No. He's pretending to be his father the entire episode. But he's not acting. This is the thing. When yeah. Nate is acting, he wears a dumb hat. And the whole point is, at the very end, they're like, you're just like your dad. I was like, because he didn't have to act like his dad, because he is like a carbon copy of his dad. Yes, they, you know, work in different circles and, like, achieve a different end goals, but the actual methodology of it, the actual, like, skills involved and stuff, it is the same. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn, this fucking hat theory, I swear to God, I... I, mm, I, yeah, it was so It's also just, as an episode, it's a really beautiful, like, conclusion to, like, no matter how far you try to run from your past and no matter how far you try to run from what sort of, like, what he would have been if he followed in the path that his dad wanted for him and what he would have been if he followed in his dad's footsteps, which mm. is generally how these things work. Yeah, the family business, as the it were. The family business, as it were. He has not escaped. Mm. That, like... 
if you look at everything we know about pre-seasons Nate, mm-hmm. he was trying to escape. He went to preschool. He, he tried to become a priest to escape. He dropped out of that, didn't manage to escape through that. He then got married and got a legitimate job. His son then died and he, like, his marriage broke up and he quit his job because his job was full of people who were fucking corrupt. This entire season, he's... Nate is so Sam-coded. His thesis statement, (laughs) his thesis statement this, like, season has been, I am not a thief. Mm. I am not a criminal. I am not a thief. He's so Sam-coded. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I should have made the connection. It's not Dean coding. It's It's Sam-coding. I, okay. So, yes, there are so many interesting things specifically about Nate in this episode. And I really want to touch on, like, your whole sort of point you just made about him trying to get out from, like, the dad's business and stuff. Because I think we have a really interesting mirror in Doyle. Mm. So, Doyle is the guy who never tried to escape. Doyle is the one who was like, this is the family business. This is what's worked for my dad and his dad and his dad before him. And I don't see a problem with it. I'm just going to keep going. And we see how badly that goes for him. We also have the extra added parallel of Doyle literally saying, yes, I like to think of it as picking picking up where where the law leaves off, which is something that... Bloody Nate has been saying this yeah. entire time. Yeah. And we and like Hardison gives him that look like Yeah, this is something you say. And then it also adds that thing is if that's what Doyle's like father said, because that's what that's what's, what's the, the bet, bet that Nate's father Jimmy? also said yes. that to yes. Nate. Yes, one hundred percent. I am well, we're sharing brain cells. It's bananas. I'm obsessed with this energy. So yes, it's there's so much going on in this episode and it's fucking fascinating i understand now why you said to me look nate get doesn't necessarily get less annoying but he becomes more interesting yeah yeah Mm. like i i would argue that he's become less annoying because more interesting which i think is the point you were trying to make it's not so much that like i i personally i think season one nate's not that annoying Mm. but as a like he's a very flawed character and Mm. it's fascinating but unfortunately the only flaws you really see in season one are like is his alcoholism and his fact that his marriage broke up and his son died yes i think having episodes like this and then going back and rewatching season one i do think that it would it would add nuance and layers and context to a lot of other the things that i took issue with and also you can just like the fact that nate's father is a criminal and, like, it's very obvious from this episode that he hasn't had any contact with his father for years. Mm. It then makes sense why he was so devastated by his son's death and his wife leaving him because that was all of the family he had. Yeah. Like, he already didn't speak to his family. Mm-hmm. And then th- that was all the family he had, and then suddenly he was alone. On this, we're, I'm going to sidestep us away from mm. Nate for a hot sec. Okay, sure. There, look, there's so much other character development in this episode that I want to talk about. I want to talk about the lack of... I want to talk about Sophie not being in this episode at all. It is now the first episode where we have had no Sophie. There was no Mm -hmm. call to Sophie. There was not even a mention of Sophie, I don't think. Like, I don't think they even said her name. Yes, they did. They did. Tara said, Sophie told me this is an issue. Oh, okay. Okay. So, but that's it. That's it. I'm pretty sure that's the one reference we get to Sophie in this episode. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. And I... What is interesting is i know that i took issue with tara when she first like arrived on the scene 
as it were. But now that it's been a couple of episodes, she seems to have sort of cottoned on to like how this works. Yeah. She has fit into the team so seamlessly. Mm. It's it's great. She really does fill that role. Obviously, I miss Sophie because I love her, but I do appreciate that Tara has actually fit in. I was really worried that they were going to drag out this weird tension yeah. and like she was going to be like a cog in the works for a while. And like also, sorry, a spanner in the works. There is still that tension though. Like it's not completely gone because you've yeah. got to remember. Tara's entire introduction is her conning the team for, like, a week straight. Yeah. However, Nate was the one person who could always tell when Sophie was trying to con him. Yeah. Like, the fact that Nate can't tell when Tara's conning him versus... Is a problem. Is a problem for Nate. And that's why, of the team... Nate is the one who has the biggest issue with Tara. And, like, he's starting to trust her, but it's still, like, that sort of, like... Yeah, and I'm not saying that the tension is gone, but what I'm saying is I was worried that it was going to be... I was worried that she was going to be more of a double-crosser. Like, I was concerned that it was going to be, like, she was going to continue to make choices to defy Nate or, you know, go against whatever anyone else had said because she thinks she knows better or because she doesn't care. And not follow Nate's lead. Yeah, or even just, like, take risks that put the rest of the team yeah. in harm's way because she has less of a connection. Like, I was yeah. really worried that they were going to harp on this point. Yeah. I'm super glad that they haven't. Obviously, I don't know what's coming. They could mm-hmm. sort of, they could do a big switcheroo on us. She yeah. could do a massive betrayal. Honestly, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even be surprised if yeah. they did go that route. Yeah. It does kind of make sense. And I would be, I would be like saddened because I do think she's a very fun character and I would like her to have the potential to sort of crop back up mm. after Sophie returns in like later seasons and stuff. But... I wouldn't be shocked if they did some kind of, oh, she's, like, gonna take us for all we're worth or whatever. Or, like, yeah. if she double-crossed them, like, at the last minute, maybe so- maybe that's how they bring Sophie back. Maybe Sophie catches wind that Tara is working with yeah. someone else or whatever, and then she's like, that can't be right because she's working with my crew. Mm-hmm. And then Sophie comes in at the, the last second yeah. and is, like... And saves, and saves the, the day. And then that's how she comes back. That, I think, could be fun. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm no, talking out okay. of my ass. Yeah, like, that's, I- <laughs> that's okay. I'm just, like, trying to not visibly have any reaction because I don't want to give you hints one way or the other yeah. which way it's going. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, anyone who's seen the end of the second season knows exactly what I'm thinking about. Okay. Cool. They know. Well, that's not me. I know nothing. Head empty, no thoughts. <laughs> I might just uh, keep us on Tyra a little bit but also kind of derail us a little bit. Mm-hmm. I do want to know how you feel that we get some more information about Tara this episode, specifically that she's trained in cryptography. I, do you know what? I missed that. Because she's the one who decodes the ledger. I did miss that because I, I the streaming service that I use to watch the show doesn't mm-hmm. allow me to have subtitles, and oh, no. I was watching in a public space in my house, and there was lots of noise, so I couldn't hear everything all the time, which is probably why I also missed the line mentioning Sophie. So I did not know that. I did know that, like, I got the line where Hardison said, oh, we've cracked the, the yeah. ledger, and I was like, oh, okay, I must have just missed who... Yeah, but yeah, no, it's specifically... The of that. Okay. Specifically Tara who cracks the ledger. Okay. I love that. She has so many skills. Yes. She is very much, like, you know in The Sims where you can, like, choose that, like, aspiration that's like yeah. jack of all trades or whatever yeah. that feels like tara i feel like she's like she seems like the kind of character who always is trying to like do self-improvement somehow yeah. you know 
but in like like a she's still signing way. up for like self help courses. Like yeah, <laughs> she, she's learning like she's learning cryptography on her weekend off. Yeah, literally. Like she's just got a hobby, and her fun little hobby is improving her ability to commit crimes. Yeah, you know. Which to be fair, same for all of them. But I, I feel like think... she was, you know, Parker like practices picking mm-hmm. locks and stuff, yeah. and Elliot probably like does sparring and things. Hardison maybe challenges himself to crack into the you know CIA's database, but. I feel like she practices in a way that expands on her skills in new facets. Yes. Like, she's not just working on just grifting. Like, she's not going to an intermediary acting class, you know. Yeah. Like, she's looking at other areas that she can be like, okay, how could this particular thing maybe come in handy? I just think it's really interesting because, yeah, you, and you get this really fun contrast between her and the team of, like, the team are all so highly specialised in sort of, like, there are one or two things like that niche. they do. Yeah. They're a niche. Whereas it's sort of like... You know, if we're gonna give them like grades, it's like they're all like tens in their area, and then maybe a two or three and everything else. Like D and D characters. Like D and D characters. Whereas Tara's sort of like she's an eight in her area. She's very good at what she does, but she's like a five or a six in everything else. Like yeah, you know, she knows how to throw. A she's punch. more well rounded. She's more well rounded than the other characters. Um, and I think it's really interesting because we do see like character development where we see, especially one specific character of the main five. And they do put in a lot of work and effort to improve their skills in other areas. And anyone listening will know what I'm talking about right now when I say that really ties in to their ending and their, like, their shift. Um, so I think it's really fascinating that we've also got Tara here who's sort of already doing that. Mm. Cool beans. I have no idea what you're referencing. Perfect. That's what so... I want. <laughs> That's lovely <laughs> But I vague. believe you. While I'm talking about things that are lovely and vague, I do just really quickly want to point out that Parker is the second person to realize that they're going to run the wire. Tara is the first, Parker is the second. And for my people listening who know where we're going with the show, they'll understand that when I say there are foreshadowing four seasons for this plot line, it started here. Like you can already see the signs. Did you understand any of that? No. <laughs> Perfect. That was what I was going for. And if you are listening and you did understand that, please let me know. Otherwise, you can message me in the spoilery chat and I'm happy to elaborate. Or on Tumblr. She doesn't look at the Tumblr. Yeah. Hit Jamie up on Tumblr or in the spoiler chat on our Discord channel and I will not look at it. And Jamie will look I just, at it. <laughs> I, I've been going on rants like... It would be a couple of months ago by the time this comes out. Like, I've been going on rants about this one particular point um, on Tumblr uh, in my tags, and it's just really nice to be able to be like, oh, I even forgot this piece of evidence existed for that. So there you go. There you go. Evidence. Can I pivot us into something that I understand? Absolutely not. This is just going to be incoherent babbling from me for the rest of the episode. (laughs) Go ahead. Okay. Hardison, the weatherman. Yes. My... Beloved, as soon as, as soon as they were like... (laughs) Thank you, Jet. Literally, as soon as they were like, oh, let's check the telly. I was like... Let's check the weather on the telly. He's gonna, he's gonna be... I don't know, I'm grabbing my curtains. He's gonna be the weatherman. And I was so excited. And then I was like, yep, he's going up. And I was like, oh my God, he made a green screen. I was like, this is so... Funny. I just want to know why Obsessed. Nate has a random green blanket in his apartment. Right? It's, it's like the fluoro green. It's like green screen green. Like it's not bizarre. Mm. Bizarre. I don't know. Maybe he's using it for Zoom backgrounds or maybe. something. Who knows? Maybe in this Nate's spare time, he's like doing YouTube. You know, mm. he's got a little studio set up in yeah. his bedroom. But no, and you get Hardison, the weatherman, 
and his little fake like ha ha chat laugh like so fucking good oh my god the bit about like if you're a single mom like get out a bottle <laughs> of wine and the xanax i was like jesus christ because we are having snow days here people yeah oh god i i did think it was a very clever way for them to sort of divert him from going to the airport though yeah it, like again it it's so this episode is really really clever mm-hmm. in the way that it is i mean it is a bottle episode so obviously yeah. it's all in one location which is tricky in and of itself yeah but i think it was it was so clever for them to use the bar as the location because they're staying in the one building but they still have multiple places they can go like they still it's a have bottle episode they're all in the same building constant like yeah like no one's left because nate's apartment is above although there like, is one exception to that which is when parker and elliot go to the other location yeah. To break into the safe. That's the only time I think that anyone actually leaves the yep. bar slash that sort of So I think it's complex. probably, it's better for clarity to say it's not technically a bottle episode, mm. but the con they're running happens is a bottle con. Like yeah. it's all it's all in the one location. Every time they've got their mark, the mark is always in the one location. That's either the bar or the back room where the poker game is getting played. And I think even maybe more importantly than that, it all happens in one hit. Yeah. Because normally, like they say, like the con like usually spans weeks. We usually see at least days of them yep. sort of infiltrating and like bits and pieces. But like, and they earn the Mark's trust mm-hmm. over that time period. But in this one, they're like, no, we've just got to get in and get out in literally less than two hours. Yep. So it's very much... It all happens at once. All of their tactics, they're kind of throwing everything out at once yeah. instead of spacing it the way they normally do. And I think that probably falls under the category of like something bottled as well. Yeah. Because it's it's condensed. It's a condensed version of what they would normally attempt. The same way that their locations have been condensed. Yeah. So has their timeline. So has their tactics, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to go into some like little like episode-y things or some more like character analysis-y things? How, what are you feeling? I... Okay. Because I've got more for both. I kind of want to touch on a couple of things that I didn't love. Okay. Just to get them out of the way. Let's get them out of the way. Let's fire them off. Let's criticize the shit out of it for five minutes and then we can go back to loving it. Yes. Now this one is specific to to me. Yeah. um, But it is applicable to everything, Mm -hmm. which is the comments that Elliot makes about redheads. Now, I, I don't love it. I, for fuck's sake, do you know how... It's really annoying. Yes. (laughs) It's really, really annoying. For reference, Beth is a redhead. I am. And let me tell you, I don't know if anyone here has read The Outsiders, but I had to in year nine English. And having to sit there while, like, the people in my class took turns reading the dialogue about Cherry, the character in that book, and about her red hair and the implications of that, 14-year-old Bethany was not comfortable. And today, years old, Bethany wasn't comfortable watching this episode. Like, it's just... Yeah. Look, that scene's always made me, like, feel vaguely uncomfortable. It just feels like... I I don't love that that's the direction they decided to go with the character. And it feels like this season they've kind of really lost who Elliot is as a character. Yeah. Because, like, even feels... just last episode, he feels sleazier. Like, yeah. Like, that's... And that's the thing. And, like, this season they seem to really want to establish, like... Elliot as, like, the bloody fucking, you know, woman, like, ladies womanizer, man. ladies' and man. It's gross. Like, and, like, it's also, like, they've already done it in previous seasons better. And, like, that's what's really, like, I have no issue with making Elliot the character a womanizer. That's fine. Whatever. Characters can be womanizers. Whatever. Mm. I 
I didn't mind it in the first season because all of the hints of, like, Elliot being a womanizer were like, oh, yeah, I dated a flight attendant once. Mm. Like, these sort of lines. Like, they're, they're all like, oh, yeah, I dated... He clearly has, like, a storied romantic past. past. But, like, it was never... Or, or I don't remember every instance, but, like, from memory, it was never anything overtly, like, gross or pervy. Yeah. This season, it feels gross and pervy. pervy. Like... Especially coming off the back of last week's episode, the runway job, yeah. where he's like, lot of private fashion shows, lot of like they were naked. Pop. It's like, yeah, how yeah. is that necessary? It's not. Yeah, it's like it just it it feels like they're doing a disservice to the character by making him a womanizer, like, mm-hmm. and by making him a pervy womanizer and not just someone who's got a long romantic history like because there's nothing wrong with having a lot of romantic or sexual partners like there is no issue inherently with that but the way that they're putting him across he feels predatory like he never felt predatory before and now it's like i don't know i don't love it so i was already kind of like put off because of that scene yeah and then when he smacks parker's ass I was ready to. I was yeah. pissed. Then I realized, okay, it was intentional. Like it was also clearly, consensual. They planned it out. Like clearly, it, it's so that Parker has an excuse to, to whack hit the, the other others dudes to the pick their pocket. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, okay, yeah, I guess that's fine. But when it first happened, I was pissed. Yeah, and like I'm glad that they it like was obvious that like they had obviously yeah. had a conversation, and like Parker does give him the like look of like you know, and I was like, okay, all right, cool beans. But, I, yeah, I was pissed initially yeah. when I saw that. I was like, I can't believe they're really doubling down on this. The only reason that that scene's okay is because they do establish it as, oh, that was actually, like, a thing that they were purposefully doing to, like... To con them. To con them. Like, it was... Liam and Liam's brother. <laughs> Liam and Liam's brother who was claustrophobic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do love the fact that they decided to name these characters, but they only decided to name one of them, and then the other one's just Liam's brother. Mm, mm-hmm. While we're sort of talking about, like, the bad guys, we'll talk about Mark a bit this week, I think. Mm-hmm. It's important. I really love the way that, uh, like, and that's why it feels so weird that they've made Elliot in this episode be- feel sort of, like, predatory and sleazy. Because one of the ways they continuously establish who the villain of the week is is by making them sleazy and predatory towards women. Mm-hmm. We see it especially clearly in the bank shop job. And we see it again here. Doyle calls them love mm. and it's in that really like condescending condescending sleazy like pervy sort of way yeah. and it's one of the things they do to establish that this dude is not a great guy it does kind of make me wonder like from the way that you're discussing it with me i assume this is not the way it's going to go but it does kind of make me wonder if they were considering setting elliot up for some kind of not like villain arc but some kind of like i don't know reckoning because you're right, this is something that they have established pretty consistently, that it is yeah. something that is for the villainous characters. Yeah. Something for the characters that we are not supposed to like. And it feels very, like, I don't know what the word is, maybe short-sighted? Yeah. Or just sort of blind to the fact that they're employing the same techniques to their hero character? Yeah. So I'm kind of like... It does make me wonder if maybe there is something going on with Elliot that we should maybe be thinking more about. Like, for example, you know in films there's, like, that whole contract with Apple where, like, No villainous character can have an iPhone. Exactly. So it's like if you see a character using, like, a Mac, you're like, oh, okay, well, they're not the villain or whatever. Yeah. So it maybe it's something similar. It's like we've been so set up to this idea that people who treat women poorly and who make yeah. these kinds of comments and stuff are not good. Like, we should be wary of them. Mm. 
I wonder if maybe there is something going on, maybe not like a major plot yeah. development, because obviously this season I would argue is primarily focused on Sophie. Yeah. And I think that if they're going to put in another big character thing, it will probably be a little later down the track once at least Sophie is back yeah. to be like involved in that sort of group yeah. again. But it, it does make me wonder if maybe they're setting up for something like that. Like maybe yeah. season three is going to be more Elliot focused. And maybe this is just that little bit of like, not necessarily foreshadowing, but giving the audience that little inkling, like, hey, something is mm. not kosher here, you know? Like, because I don't think it's overt. Yeah. Because in a lot of media, like, the comments that Elliot is making would not be out of place. I mean, Supernatural, for example. Yeah. It would not it would not feel out of place at all. No. It's just that they, this particular show has established so strongly this link between sexist yeah. behaviour and evilness yeah. and also like you said in season one this is not how they established Elliot's character and I would it would have made sense if this was the pilot yeah and this was like a caricature but that the they issue were going is to we've got back. a season and a half worth of villains who all establish this sort of like demeaning and uh like sleazy and predatory behavior towards but women we also have a season and a half of Elliot not being that and it's like the last like three episodes it's like yeah it's just sort of it feels like it's come from nowhere, but yeah. that makes me feel like it must be intentional because yeah. the writers had to intentionally start adding yeah. this in. And like we said, like there is no point. Like every like romantic sort of rendezvous moment or whatever you want to call it, like or in this instance, like sexual harassment that yeah. Elliot has like performed in the last couple of episodes were irrelevant to the plot. Yeah. They could be entirely removed. Yeah. And change nothing, which makes me think that, and maybe I am thinking too much about this because of the nature of the podcast, but it makes me think that they're doing it intentionally. And that must mean there is a purpose. So unless Elliot has some kind of fucking reckoning coming for him, or this is somehow a character thing, or something niggly is going on with him that we should be more wary about, and this is supposed to just set off little red flags. We do have some things later on that might kind of explain it, but I don't think this is something that we ever truly get, like... Okay. I just thought these couple of episodes were just badly written. Like, is maybe is what, did the writer change? Did we have like a different? Because we followed this in Supernatural because it's usually super relevant, but with Leverage we typically don't. But I do wonder if we had a different writing, like someone who maybe stepped in. That's okay. I'm just gonna have a quick look because I don't normally track the writers either. Because like, it's usually like, it's consistent enough. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's, Leverage is not one where it's like okay, all of this person's episodes are consistently bad. All of this person's episodes are consistently good. It's like everyone has like good and bad episodes. Like, okay, this is really interesting. So the writer who wrote The Bottle Job has done two other episodes this season. Mm-hmm. The Top Hat Job and The Iceman Job, both of which you have seen. The magic one and the one where mm. uh, Hardison gets kidnapped. I don't remember enough specifically about Elliot's characterization in those episodes to comment on whether or not. No, because I would argue they're pretty, pretty standard Nothing is springing to mind specifically about either of those episodes in regards to Elliot's behaviour. So I wonder if maybe it was like a, I don't know, just like a general writer's room thing that they decided to do. Maybe they decided that they wanted to sort of like really, maybe they were just really trying to play into that sort of womanizer character and they just did not think about the way that they were acting. Because you could do that without being gross. And the only other episode they've written was the miracle job in season one. Like oh okay, which is like yeah, it's I don't fine. really remember. Like for me, like they're not necessarily bad episodes of Leverage, but they're not particularly memorable for like feeling like oh that's really. Mm. And then Albert Kim is the one who wrote the runway job, which is of course last episode where we get the weird like dated a lot of models line. 
But and that he also did the tap out job and then he did a couple in season one. Mm. But like again, like the stalk job and the snow job, I would argue the stalk job is one of the best episodes of Leverage. It's definitely a good episode, but yeah. I can't really base it against two and a half seasons I haven't seen. But no, so like yeah, it's really weird because like I wonder if they let me obviously you won't know if they've written anything in season three. Oh, it is super interesting the episodes they've they wrote in season three. Not for this purpose, just because uh they wrote the three card Monty job. Which anyone who knows that job knows why I think that's super fascinating. Um, and also they wrote the King George job, which is also fascinating. For reference, one of those is a really heavy Nate development episode. Oh, okay. Interesting comparatively with this one then. Yeah. And then the other one is a really heavy Sophie development episode. Oh, interesting. That is fascinating. Damn, maybe we should be tracking the writers for leverage. <laughs> maybe we fucked up on that. And it looks like they didn't write anything in... Yeah. So, and then after this, after season three, she left to join Castle. Oh, okay. The writing team at Castle. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, looking at the other episodes that this writer's written, like, I cannot think of a single example in any other one of them where Ellie is written like this. Mm. And the thing is, it's not even like he's written like this for the entire episode. It's like he literally has that one scene that's kind of like a bit of a... yeah seriously moment and then the rest of the episode he's like the normal he's like the same elliot that we always see because then like when he's like when he's playing darts with those guys and he's getting those bullseyes i was like this is the elliot that i have come to know like and i did love that scene like not even looking getting two bullseyes and hilarious you know but yeah and so for some reason it was just this weird choice that they made and i didn't understand it i didn't love it and i hope that they don't do it again because i just i don't appreciate it I think it's really funny, though, because, like, yeah, like, thinking on the rest of the season, I cannot think of another example of Elliot being kind of, like, weirdly predatory. Like, it seems to be only these two episodes, like, the runway job Mm. and the bottle job. Good. Like, I cannot, I don't think I can think of another example of him being kind of weirdly predatory. And I don't know if they were doing anything with, like, his, obviously, I can't tell you where his storyline is going. But I don't know how it ties into his storyline moving forward. Maybe other people who have seen the show can, like, write in. Do you think maybe they were trying to tie in something for later on? But, like, personally, like, it doesn't seem like it because, yeah, like, that that is foreshadowed in a different way. The thing I'm thinking of is foreshadowed in a different way. It doesn't seem like this would be the foreshadowing to do it. Vague enough that you had no yeah, idea? Yeah, I've got no idea. Okay, perfect. <laughs> that, that's going to be the motto today. Um, can I... Pivot us again. Perfect. I... Sorry, I'm I'm doing that thing that I always hate, and you did it in faith, and that you're like, this is like relevant here, and this is relevant here. I didn't think I was going to have too many of these episodes of leverage. This is painful. <laughs> How did you do it? It happens more than you realize. <laughs> uh, usually, I think I do a good job of hiding it. Yeah, but I want to talk a little bit about actually very quickly before we move entirely off of. Elliot, I did have a couple of very quick notes. Yeah. Uh, the fight scene uh, when Parker is getting into the safe. First of all, I love that Parker just kicks that dude in the face. I think it's hilarious. Um, I also love that she spends the whole time being like, can you fucking shut up? I am trying to work here. I just Stop stomping around and he's like, I don't stop. Beautiful. Loved it. Parker is a babe. But it also was so dark in that fight scene. I was like, damn, this feels like watching Supernatural. I feel right at home. And also, Elliot asks Nate if he would consider doing this if he was sober. 
And I think that that was a really important and pointed like question Mm -hmm. because none of them, all of them had that moment where they were like, oh no, he's like going to be drinking. And we had that reaction. But the important thing is the audience got that reaction. None of them were actually present for Nate to see. And so I think, correct me if I'm wrong, because like I said, I had other things happening when the episode was playing, but... I think this is the only moment where any of them actually outright say to him, like, yeah. point out to him, like, we know you're drinking. Yeah. You know that we know yeah. what this means. So I thought it was really an important inclusion. That they acknowledged it tonight because they acknowledge it to each other. Yeah, and to the audience knows. And the audience knows. And they also, like, as I said, that's where you get the line from Tara of, like, Sophie told me this was a problem. Yeah. But she says that. I'm pretty sure it's Elliot Parker she says that to. And... My other concern is, and this is moving us back to Nate, but I don't think we're going to be on it too long, so bear with me. It's also a Nate-heavy episode. It's kind of unavoidable. I He didn't just stop with the drink at the bar. That no. he, for the con, needed. Had to take, yeah. He then continued to drink. To drink. And I know this is a quite, I can't talk about it in terms of like alcohol or yeah. like drugs because I don't have the knowledge in that area, but I know with food, with particularly with eating disorders, uh, there can be a mentality of, particularly with dieting, where it's like, oh, I'm not supposed to, for example, eat chocolate. Like, oh, I, I hate, diet and I'm not supposed I've, to eat chocolate. I've had one now, piece. I might as well continue. I may it's as ruined well, anyway. Yeah, it's like, well, I fucked up. I may as well just drink. I may as well eat the whole block. Yeah. And then instead of having one piece of chocolate, which, you know. It's fine. You, know, okay. you end up eating like a whole like 500 gram block or something. And which is obviously also fine. Fine, but it's yeah. Like, but the analogy is there. Like, it's, instead yeah. of just having one sip, he's drunk the bottle. Yeah. You know, and so I, I see how that is applicable. It does make me worried. Because if I know leverage, which after, you know, a season and a half, I feel like I at least know a little yeah. bit, this is not going to be the kind of thing where they're like, next episode, they're like, oh, so happy days, yeah. you know, whatever. So I think that I don't know if they would put us – I don't know if they would – make an entire episode about his withdrawals again because they sort of yeah. didn't they purposely didn't do that yeah. between the breaks and the seasons but i do think that we'll maybe have like the characters checking up on him at least or i'm concerned that he is going to sort of sink back into it but try and keep it from everyone like i i do have some concerns i hope i really hope that they are able to frame it as a, like, he had a relapse, clearly, but that's okay. That happens. Mm-hmm. I hope that they show that the rest of the team is, like, very supportive yeah. and show that, like, you can have relapses and it's okay. This shit happens. You can get back on the horse. Like, you know, you can – you fell off. It's fine. We can help you back up and we'll help you, you know, keep going. I really hope that that is – and I assume – I have faith that that is at least partially the direction they're going to go. I do just want to quickly point out a part of that scene. Like, you've already pointed out that Elliot asks Nate if he would consider if he's sober. Um, and Nate has the line, hmm. I used to think I was okay when I was drinking. Now I know I'm not. not. Yeah. Which is important. Yeah, it, it's a very important in terms of yes, his own understanding is, of himself. He is drinking again. Mm-hmm. But it is significantly different from the first season. Mm-hmm. First season, he was drinking and in denial. Yeah. Now at least he's self-aware. Now at least he's self-aware. Like, obviously, I can't tell you where this plotline is going. Yes. Um. It Rest assured, it is not going to be something they just drop between episodes. It's not like next episode they're just going to be like, ah, 
you know, he's sober again, we're just going to pretend that he never had a relapse. Yes, obviously. And the amount of, like I said earlier, like the amount of tension in that scene, the amount of time that they dedicated to the momentous moment of him taking that drink, there is, it would be ridiculous if they just didn't touch on it again. Yeah. Like that would just be such a waste. Yeah. Um, so it is obviously going to continue to be relevant and important. I am interested to see what direction they send it. And also you've probably noticed this season, comparatively to season one, a lot of like the character like development plot lines seem to follow through more. Yeah. Like season one, I know you had a real issue because some of the episodes felt really isolated and disjointed because they didn't sort of like, they didn't just have like a nice flow on of like the, you know, it wasn't like they would be pissed at one character in one episode and then it was like it was forgotten the next. Um, just so far this season, it's definitely more like... There's more narrative cohesion, yeah. particularly in the interpersonal relationships, yeah. and I really appreciate that. And that, I think it's just, like, first season, they're still finding their footing. Um, yeah, and I, striking the balance between, like, an episodic versus a serial TV show. Yes. I think that definitely the first season was much more episodic. Yeah. Like, we're this is a bottle episode, but I think, arguably, it felt less like a bottle episode than some episodes we had in season one. Hmm. Um, in terms of, like, yeah. being self-contained. Oh, I did have a note. It is really lucky that Tara knows how to play poker. Because if I was in her situation, I would be fucking useless. I feel like it's implied, though. If you're a grifter, you're going to know how to play poker. Like, I mean, I guess. But also, I, it would not be the first thing that I would be, you know, buying a Four Dummies book about. Like, I... <laughs> like, but I am just bad at it. I mean, to be fair, she's also sitting next to Nate. So, like, worst comes to worst, if she didn't know how to play poker, Nate could just be giving her the cues about what's Like, stepping on her foot under the yeah. table. <laughs> yeah. Like, one step is, like, good, two steps is bad. bad. Like, and that's where you got to signal to the mark. Yeah. But, like, I yeah, I think it's, like, honestly, it's just, like, well, if you're a grifter and you're really fucking good at reading other people's body language and, like, that's your entire job, mm. why wouldn't you learn how to play poker? I mean, I guess that's a good point. You like, could clean up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of cleaning up, I do love that all of them bail on that and leave poor Hardison floundering with the giant hole he's cut in Nate's bookshelf and all the cords that he's pulled out and the green screen and Not his clothes that. and the, the green screen, <laughs> all the clothes, of the cereal the on the whole, counter, the cereal on the counter, <laughs> the fact that Elliot just old upturned Nate. one of his chairs. We finally get a payoff for you for old Nate. Yeah. So, how do you feel? I was confused that. He let Parker tip cereal all over the bench, knowing that all of that cash was just in the painting. Like, I was like, why are you letting Elliot cut up this man's furniture and Parker destroy his pantry when you know how much money is just in that painting? Because there's money in all of them. Yeah, but There's like, only like three grand in each and they needed like ten grand. So like oh, the, the three grand from... But anyway, they, I, I did love the point that Hazen was like, what, you think I kept this just for shits and giggles? <laughs> And I love that Parker was like, yes, absolutely. That's why I thought we had it. Why else would we have had it? I was like, yeah, Parker, I'm, I'm with you on that. It's just, it's hilarious. But character development moment, they all keep emergency stashes of cash mm-hmm. in the apartment. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about their hiding places for a minute. Very, very quickly, I do want to talk about how it reminded me of Eleanor's mom in The Good Place. And, like, even though she had, like gotten into that place where she had like her partner and they had she had they a stepdaughter and like, they were whatever. happy they were... she was still like you know old habits die hard she still had the backup cash in case she needed to go and yes. i was like oh fascinating fascinating in this dynamic because yes they are all still in that mentality of like yes we feel safe and secure here but there's always going to be that little fucking niggle of like 
okay, but I need to be prepared. What if we need to drop everything and run? drop and run. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I was like, love that. I love that. I love that it is exposed. Like, I love that that detail about all of them is exposed in a way that doesn't actually involve any of them doing the drop and run moment. Yeah. Like, I like that we find out that they have these things in place Mm -hmm. before they're actually needed. Because that's one thing that I do sometimes find a little frustrating about shows is, like, you find something out about a character that, like, it gets revealed in the moment of... Dire need. Yeah. And I'm like, I kind of wish that I just sort of knew about this from episodes ago because then it comes back like, oh, my God, like, you know... Bobby's panic room comes to mind. Bobby's panic room. Yeah. Like... Yeah, I appreciate that we're getting this because I feel like this is something that will probably be relevant later, you know? Like, it's good to know that the characters have that escape plan because it reminds you of who they have been fundamentally. And even in this episode, we get the moment where uh, Elliot suggests that Hardison uses, like, the skimmer. And then he's like, no, I haven't... Why don't you just use your slimmer thing and gank the ATMs. It's called a skimmer. Yes, exactly. And, and then he's like, I, I haven't, haven't used, used it in months. months. We're the good guys now. And then they're both like, we've been the good guys a lot longer than that. And he's like, we were on a break. And I was like, damn, Ross and Rachel. Like, <laughs> anyway. But yeah, it's it's interesting that we're reminded that these characters have a very, very complicated relationship, not only with themselves and with each other, but also with just the notion of security. Yeah. And it's really easy to forget because, like, at this point, they're, like, a team. They work yeah. harmoniously. Like, very found family. Very like, found family. Like, they, they rely on each other. They're working together. But, like, mm. it's a really nice reminder at a really nice time that at any point, any one of these characters could dip. run. Yeah. I mean, Sophie kind of has, you know. I would argue that the only character who can't is Nate. Yeah, because they'll just follow him around like little ducklings. Like, they'll just come mm. round him back up again. But also, Nate is not like the rest of the team. Mm. The rest of the team chose to be... Like, that is their career. They are career criminals. Like, they chose... The, like, like they didn't all necessarily choose this life, but, like, it's too late now for them to leave. Whereas yeah. we see Nate at the very start of the season trying to leave. Like, theoretically... And they're like, no. You're our dad now. Yeah. <laughs> Theoretically, Nate could go and get a normal people job and, like, he's still got enough legitimacy around his actual name. Yeah, he has a he resume. Could, that he could go back to being Nate Ford. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nate Ford who pays taxes and goes to work. Like, mm-hmm. the rest of them don't have that. They have their wits and their emergency stashes of cash, which we need to talk about where they hide them. Okay. Okay? Okay. Is it symbolic somehow? It's just really reflective of the characters and, like, two of them, I would argue, not that important. Like, they're very interesting, but, like, not that important, but then one. One is fucking heartbreaking when I explain to you why. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. I'm going to do the heartbreaking one last. Oh, okay. So, we've got Elliot, who leaves his furniture in a chair, which is, like... He leaves his furniture in a chair. He leaves his furniture in a chair. (laughs) Um, No, sorry. Did you not pick up on why I said that back to you? I, I did. It just took me a second. First up, we have Elliot, who hides his cash in the chair. Uh-huh. Which, which, let's just talk about Elliot being hands-on and just developing... Wait, was, that, was that their individual stashes? Yes. Oh. So each of them hid cash. The other three didn't know where the cash was. Okay. Do you know what's really interesting about that? Because for some fucking reason, and I realise that this is very contradictory to what I've just been talking about, mm-hmm. but for some fucking reason, I assumed that was all Nate's. No. Because it's in Nate's fucking house. No. 
Why are they stashing their escape money in Nate's house? Why would they not keep it in their own? Like, do they all live there? No. Then why? Because. <laughs> because they. <laughs> so to be clear. To be clear. <laughs> to be clear. And this... they each had exactly three grand. No. They I didn't... was gonna say. <laughs> I just they they give us the total nine grand, so I just split it up split equally it th- between okay. the three. Yeah. I don't know how individually how much each of them had. I would yeah. say somewhere between like one and a half to four and a half grand. Yeah, like all roughly the same amount. Um, and I would say they all have roughly the same amount because that would be how much it would cost to be able to dip. Yeah, essentially. No, so they all have emergency stashes in all of the places in their life where they spend a significant amount of time. Okay, This sure. would not be their only emergency cash stash. I, yeah, I didn't think it would be, but I was just surprised that all three of them had at some point hidden money. Because they're, like... Like, in someone's home. Yeah. But it's <laughs> like, also it important. Bizarre. Like, what if Nate was just like, you know what, I don't really like this chair. I think I'm going to sell it on Facebook Marketplace. Like, and then someone goes to reupholster it and yeah. finds three grand. <laughs> like... So Elliot's put his in the chair, which is, like, super fascinating because he had to get the money into the chair. Yeah. And, like, do you think he took, like, notes from Hurley, like, on that? Like, because Hurley's hiding his money in the tire of the car. Oh, yeah, good fucking point. I don't know. I guess Elliot, the carpenter, was not on my mental leverage bingo card. But I'm kind of into it. I can kind of see it. I feel like Elliot is kind of like a secret Ron Swanson type, you know? Yeah. Like, I do get, like, I feel yeah. like Ron Swanson and Elliot Spencer could have a very interesting afternoon yeah. of conversation, you know? Yeah. So, Elliot's not the most interesting. I'm moving on. Then we have Hardison, who, of course, has hidden it in the painting that oh, he's Hilarious. painted himself. Like, yeah. it makes sense. It's something that he brought into the apartment. It is one of the less elaborate ways to hide the money, I would yeah. argue, because, like, he literally... I mean, I it's don't also know if implied- it's the least elaborate. I actually think it could be the most elaborate. He had to paint a whole painting. At least he didn't have to reappraise the furniture. And I it's mean- also established that old Nate has always been his cash stash. Like, that's where he hid his cash at the original yeah. leverage office too. And so it's just sort of, like, gone with him. Followed him. Whereas Elliot's had to reupholster an entire chair that was Nate's. Like, that's so funny. And then we have Parker. Now, Parker... You may be thinking, she's hiding it in cereal boxes. It's not heartbreaking. I don't know. When I tell you. Because here's the thing. Like, sorry. No, you go ahead. Before you say anything, I can see how it could be heartbreaking. And obviously this might not be like what you're about to say. But Mm -hmm. like, if I was going to hide something that I thought no one would find, I wouldn't put it in the food. Like, you'd think that that would be something that most people would, you know, assume was on hand you know like i don't know i i don't quite this is like a half-baked thought but it feels weird that she would put it in something that it should be communal and easy access but it's not that's the key thing here is it's not communal parker is the only person we see eating cereal cereal throughout the entire season series she she's she's been eating cereal since day one yeah we see her eating cereal in the premiere of the of this season Parker, we see eating cereal throughout the seasons. The only time we see her eating something that's not cereal is if she's either bought herself food or if Elliot cooks her something. Otherwise, she almost exclusively eats cereal. And the reason this is heartbreaking is because cereal is something that a homeless child could feasibly afford and can eat. Doesn't require cooking. Doesn't require cooking. Doesn't require refrigeration. Doesn't necessarily require... Shelf stable. Shelf stable. 
Cheap. Cheap. That is heartbreaking. She's the only person who eats this way. She's consistently showing shown eating cereal, a food, which she probably grew up eating because she didn't have a consistent source of food. So it's not only the safe space that she stores her money. Like, she's storing the most important things to her. Her most important commodities are stored in the same place, her food and her escape money. Yes. Jamie, it is <laughs> 11.20 a.m. on a Sunday. It is a beautiful sunny day outside, and I want to cry. Bet you didn't think you'd be having emotions about cereal. No, I'm fi- now I'm sad about my breakfast. I had Sultana brand, and now I'm emotional about it. <laughs> I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and I'm going to look in my pantry and I'm going to see the box of wheat bigs and I'm going to sob. And it's your fault. Like, I like I know I'm being a bit silly about it, yeah. but like quite genuinely, that's sad. Like, very... And what I appreciate about it is that it's not overt. Mm. Like, it is something that is just baked into the character. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you... And I don't know if me. the original writers put this much thought into it, but if you do think about it for, like, 30 seconds, it's like... I Do you know what? I know that we make the joke a lot on Supernatural, or, like, on our Supernatural pod, that, like, we're putting more thought into it than the writers mm-hmm. said it's all accidental. I don't... I actually think that this is more likely to have intention because it is so specific. Mm. Um, yeah. And we also do get more later on about Parker and her relationship with food, which... And we already know... Sheds light on... Some more light on this that I can't really tell you, but... Yeah, and we already have the background that, you know, she clearly had a dicey upbringing in mm-hmm. terms of homes, where she was living, where how consistent yeah. those conditions were. Because I because I don't have all of the information, yeah. I can't, like, properly no. put this together in my mind right now, but... Parker and food is one to keep looking out for. Like, it, like it, with Dean. Like with Dean. It is one that, like, it, it is established pretty, like, solidly in the stalk job when she's talking about how she can spot that the orphan is hoarding cookies. Yeah. And Parker's relationship with food is, like, really fascinating going through the series. Yeah. And it's really interesting to watch where Parker's relationship with food goes. And also we get some more flashbacks about Parker's past in which food is food is an element of it. So I just wanted to point it out at this point because this is, I think, the first time that you really see, like, and you can make the connection between, like, yeah. Well, obviously Parker is the one, like, obviously Parker eats cereal. Yes. But up until this point, I had never thought about it from that angle. I had always thought about it as, like, she just likes it. And Parker is also a very, very, she's a very practical character, but also she is not going to devote We've, we've talked before yeah. about um, Parker being autistic credit. Yeah. And one thing that, uh, to my understanding, um, that is common in people who have autism or on the autism spectrum is that they're not going to devote time to things that they're not interested in. Yeah. Like, you have, like, if you have, like, a, a focus, like, mm-hmm. something you're passionate about, like a hyper focus, you'll pour all your time and energy into that. But if you're not interested at all in cooking or nutrition or like that kind of, you know, culinary sort of And then you find skills, a brand of cereal that you like the taste of, the texture doesn't weird you out and you can just eat it and it's fine. Yeah. And it's going to eat it because it's fine. And like, also that um, like habit of just eating the same yeah. foods day in, day out, day in, day out until one day you're just like, oh, I'm over this. Yeah. You know, like so cereal made perfect sense as it, and to be fair, like I don't think I've ever brought it up on the pod, but that was always my sort of like, oh, this is part of the autistic coding of parker and it was just never really relevant enough in an episode to actually voice voice but now having that as an extra layer i'm like i still think that you could see it from that angle but this is just like a whole other fucking tragic side of it that i had not considered uh in terms of 
actual access to food and the ability to keep it for an extended period of time. It's shelf-stable. It's cheap. It's also light. Lightweight. Lightweight. Like, it does take up a bit of bulk, but, like... Really, the only downside is that, obviously, if you're not having it with milk, it's dehydrating. Yeah. But, you know. And also, like, American cereals seem to be primarily sugar. Yeah. (laughs) But, look, if that's all that you can get, then that's all you can get, you know? That's the reality of it. Okay. I, I think we need a. I've made you sad about Parker now, so there. let's let's move on. One fun Parker thing mm. is when she suggests they go to the police, and she's like, "I don't use them, but this is what they're for, right?" Yeah. I did giggle at that. I did think it was funny, and I did love that in a roundabout way, they kind of did. Mm. Like <laughs> they did go to the police. That reveal, by the way, did not see it coming. Completely blindsided, obsessed. I loved it. I was like, oh no, this is going, this is bad. I, when Nate started drinking, I was like, oh, I was really confident in them in, at this, until this point, And now I'm yeah. like super worried. And then that whole scene where they're playing the poker game and stuff, I was like, oh man, like this is, he's, he saw the, the marks yeah. on the money. And I was like, that is so clever. Yeah. I was like, that's brilliant. Because and it's also something that we've seen we earlier. We saw them do it. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. Oh, also when they took the money out of the safe, I was like, man, there is so much shit in that safe. I would have taken everything. I would not. Have, I'm like, I'm already here. I may as well take all of the folders and find yeah. out what the fuck else he's involved in. Anyway, took the money, brought the money back. Clearly it was the marked money. And that was a problem. And I was like, this is so clever. And I also appreciate that it makes the mark more threatening mm-hmm. because this is something that I've said a couple of times now of leverage, but I appreciate that they make their villains or their antagonists actually formidable in a sense that they're not just kind of stupid. Like I appreciate that they make them an actual challenge and they don't always just take everything at face value, you know? So it was cool to see that he was actually wary and that he actually took note of his own, like, mm. you know, mark on the money. Yeah. And also, I think that was just very clever of them to do in the first place. But then, God, the reveal that they're all cops and the reveal that, like, he's just confessed to being involved in crimes that they were heading. And, like, not just, like, general cops, but, like, detectives as well. I was like, this is... And in the organized crime division as well. Yeah, I was like, like this is phenomenal. I was like, this is Nate's lucky fucking yeah. day. But also, this is yeah. just... Yeah, like, and he did think it through. Like, he... You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I do... I do kind of wish that the audience had gotten a little bit more of a clue in that that these guys were, you know, involved in special crimes or whatever, rather than it just being the reveal. Only because... I mean, we do get a little bit, but it is very, very, like, it's very, it's, it's literally just like the line of like, you know, this used to be like, you'd have cops on one side. Oh, yeah. Mob on the other. So it's like, you do get sort of the hint that... They could be one or the other. Maybe some of McGrory's friends are either going to be, like, in organised crimes or cops. Yeah. So you do get, like, the little bit of a hint, but, like, I also do just love the extended version of the, the like, the scene that we get when they do, like, the reveal of it's being, like, I will have me and my friend, do you mind us joining in? Like, he's going to, A, confess to some fucking crimes yeah. and, B, leave all his money on the goddamn table. Like, yeah. And I also loved when he is, like, Doyle is trying to sort of, like, buddy-buddy with them. And he's like, oh, you know, this crime, like, were you involved in that? And the guy, like, laughs and is like, yeah, you can say that. And it's, oh, the the sort of double entendre of that is yeah. just phenomenal. I Yeah, I really loved the reveal. I thought it was super, super well done. Uh, my notes were actually in, I, I wrote, oh, shit, this episode is intense as hell. This guy's This guy is good at what he does. And then in all caps, oh shit, they're all cops, obsessed, this was incredible. So those were my genuine notes, and I stand by them. If that is your reaction to this episode, I cannot wait for you to see next episode. Oh, excellent. I look forward to that. 
Oh, um, I also wanted to point out a couple of things that Hardison says in this episode that yeah. I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I liked that he makes the point, kind of like a can't pack a hick. Yeah. Like, he also makes the point of, like, if you want me to move $100,000 from here to, like, wherever, I can do that. But cash, I can't do that. Like, I just, you know, what do you want The banks me? are closed, like, daily withdrawal limit. Like. Yeah, exactly. And then I also love that he made the point of, like, do you know who can do that? The CIA, MI6, and me. <laughs> obsessed i love his energy i love his assuredness in himself i'm like yes babe believe in yourself and you can achieve anything you want oh and just as a side note i really liked the music at the start of the episode Mm. i just really enjoyed it i thought it was very jaunty it was an interesting choice for a wake but i was vibing it it's very irish yeah yeah (laughs) okay i do i do quickly also want to tack on i do love hardison's little lineup like does this green bright blanket have any special memories which yeah, I was doesn't like, seem what? relevant to me just simply because like he's not like cutting it up or anything. Like right. he's literally just shoving it over some TV screen. Yeah, I was confused about that. I was like, okay, but like, what are you gonna do to the blanket? As funny <laughs> as the line is, it just feels very unnecessary. Yeah, it just feels um, sort of pointless. I do really quickly just want to touch on Nate again. There, are, look, I'm just gonna say for the record, there are a lot of things about Nate in this episode that I want to say that I'm not going to say because I do not want to give Beth any insight into what's going to happen with this plot line because I think it's better if she organically like oh. sees it on her own time. Uh, if you do want to know what Jamie's thinking about, hit her up on Tumblr, Tumblr. and or the Discord spoiler channel. I do just really quickly want to touch on a few more things about Nate, though, that I don't think we really touched on in that massive chunk that we talked about him to start with. You're just going to, like, rapid fire. Rapid fire them? Okay. through them. If you've cool. got any comments, feel free to split, spit them at me. But, like, um, I do want to point out that the cops point out that he is exactly like his father. Mm. which is interesting when we talk about episodes later on when we find out more about Nate's father. Cool, okay, interesting. I also want to point out that the way that Nate moved to the bar where his father used to conduct his business as a bookie is fucking fascinating from a trauma standpoint and being back in an environment constantly. And it's also fascinating from a control standpoint of, like, I am an adult now, like, the fascinating i would need to go back and rewatch the scene but you did just make me really want to go back and rewatch that scene so absolutely fascinating i also think it's really funny that parker's like okay so you stopped drinking you stopped during crime and you move back to a thief bar and elliot's like what the hell are you doing mate and like parker's like i get it do you guys not get it yeah fascinating just his choice of bar is fascinating especially when we find out more about Nate's father in the future because this is not the last we've heard of Jimmy Ford. Yeah, I assumed will, that we would get a bit more. This is a continuing plot thread. It is not just going to be completely dropped here. I'm like they excited for it. They didn't use it for a single episode and then drop it. Um, and I also just quickly want to touch on how fascinating it is the way that he treats Tara versus Sophie and the way that ties into like the dynamic of the team. And I don't want to go into that too much because we do have more that will illuminate that coming on. But Can it is... I ask a question? Yeah, sure. I'm sorry to interrupt. Are you allowed to tell me when we get Sophie back or is that a spoiler? Like, can you tell me, like, in X many episodes? By the end of the season, we'll get Sophie back. And what are we now? This is episode 11, so we've yeah. got, like... I think it's a 15 episode season. Just because I'm curious I might be because wrong. I love her and I miss her. But we do we do get more Sophie. This Like, we do actually not just see her in bad green screen okay so she'll be actually back we will we will physically see her interact in person with the team at least once before the end of the season okay cool 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 
Sorry, does that... That's all I wanted. I just wanted to know that's sort okay. of like rough timeline because I do miss her. As much as I am enjoying Tara, I, I do miss the dynamic. But this is more than you give me with Meg. I'm like, when's Meg back? And you're like, I can't tell you. And I'm like, that is really mean. Um, but we definitely get we get Sophie back before the end of the season. Like we do, at some point in the season, she does physically interact with the team. Mm, cool. So we will, we will see her. She does reappear. Like it's not like she's just going to be complete radio silence for the rest of the season and then she just randomly pops up in season, season three. three. Yeah. She does she does come back. Um obviously as is in line with tying up her character development journey of the season, which I, I think is a really fascinating choice that they've sort of chosen Sophie as like the character development character of this season. What I think is fascinating about it And is, she's not in half of it. This is that's what I was gonna say. What I think is fascinating is that they've chosen to do her character development in a way that you don't see the character development like you understand that it's happening but it's literally removed yeah like it becomes noticeable in its absence and i think that's really really interesting and obviously like in like real life jim bellman was having a baby and so it's maternity leave but like in terms of like a narrative structure and like they could have moved her character in a lot of ways i am impressed that they did it this way yeah because it's very effective in a way that i wouldn't have expected it to be and I think it makes the character development more noticeable as well because you sort of see it in, like... You're forced to acknowledge it. You see it in slices. Like, you see, like, a glimpse here, a glimpse there. But because you're not just sort of, like, developing slowly with this character and seeing every step of the journey, you can actually... It's, like, more noticeable. The progress. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I think they were all the points that I wanted to make. Let me just double-check my notes. Oh, I do just want to talk about flashback Nate and... How cute that kid is when he's like, you don't gamble with another man's money. <laughs> because as traumatic as that was for Nate, I think it's a very fun scene. <laughs> Life um, skills. Oh, and I just want to really quickly call out the worst pickup line of all time, which is, that's only a little bit of Irish. How would you like a whole lot? Oh, yeah. Gross. Again, establishing, like, villain characters through... Pervy one-liners. Pervy one-liners. Also, they do make a point about... The Mark says to Nate, you're not a very good, for a bookie, you're not a very good gambler. Whereas it's hilarious because we know he is the best gambler. Mm-hmm. Like everything he ever does is, is a gamble. That entire interaction was a gamble. And he was in control the entire step of the way. And he, up to this point, I think there is one time that we have ever seen him lose. Yeah. No, there are twice. Twice that we have seen him lose. Both times are to Sterling. Because I would argue that he loses in the two horse job because Sterling finds out where they're based. Yeah. And it puts them on Sterling's radar. And then they lose in the first David job. Yeah. So it's interesting that the only time Nate ever loses when he's gambling is when Sterling's involved. Do we get more Sterling by the end of the season? I've told you now already that Sterling it's appears every, every season. Single, like, yeah. Okay. We haven't seen him yet. So you've got to assume he appears at some point. Cool. In the rest of the episode. In the in the rest of the episodes. Yeah. In the rest of the season. In the rest of the season. There's the word. Okay. Lovely. Perfect. I have reviewed my notes. I have nothing else to say on the topic. I mean, I have so much else to say on the topic, but I'm not going to say it now because... You can't. <laughs> self-control. It's a new thing I'm trying. Um, <laughs> don't I think it's working, but... Worth a shot. It's worth a shot. Anyway, do you have any other... Final remarks about the season. You've gone through your review. No, I've actually tapped out every single note. Usually I have a couple little ones that I don't bother bringing up, but this case I've actually used all of them. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're getting into the end of the episode. So, Beth, what would you rate the bottle job out of five? I gave it a four. You gave it a four. Pretty solid. 
I was really. I, I agree. I was really impressed with it. Yeah. I thought that was a really good episode. Um, I was just so impressed with the tension that they developed with Nate mm-hmm. and the drinking, and then obviously the the reveal at the end of the episode in the poker game. I yeah. thought was fantastic. There's a lot of fun episodes. Uh, there's a lot of really fun moments in the episode, particularly like the Hardison and like the weather and like obviously Tara is more ingrained in the in the team now. There are some great Parker moments. Obviously, I had a bit of an issue with the Elliot stuff, and that's part of why I've got the yeah. points. But I think a four out of five is I think it's reasonable. It's a pretty solid episode. Pretty it just has a couple of moments where you're like, I would want to really doing this. Like, I would want to rewatch it for character stuff. Yeah. So I like I'm I think it's worth a higher rating just based on that. Like, because it makes me want to rewatch it and look more. Well, not going to lie. I actually rewatched the episode. Like, I watched it yesterday for, like, to take my notes. Mm-hmm. And then, like, last night I was like, I could watch that again. Yeah. Like, I feel like watching that again. Like, I want to make sure that I really you do. haven't missed anything. Like, that I haven't missed anything. Because it is, like, after we've had a couple of episodes where it's like, there's been stuff there, but it's, like, not really that deep. Mm-hmm. It is It is quite a deep episode. There is a lot here, and it's really rich in the lore. And I look. I just really love the old Nate reveal. Like, yes, me I too. love. I love that old Nate is more relevant than just a once-off gag. Yeah. I think it's very fun. But it's also like it's not the sort of gag that it's like you don't need to have seen anything else about old Nate to know. Like, like it's fine. Yeah. Okay. And the next episode is called the Zanzibar Marketplace Job. What do you think that one's about? I mean, Zanzibar Marketplace. Uh, in my mind. What I'm imagining is some kind of hilariously market, yeah. you know, but I, I mean, I assume it'll have like a particular cultural thing. Like yeah. I assume it'll be, you know, a um, sort of more niche than just like a general farmer's market. But I, yeah, I don't really know what kind of con could be taking place in that kind of scenario. You have said that you're looking forward to this one. Yes. So I'm I am, excited for it, but I really have no idea what I'm in for going in. I, I don't know if it'll be, like, necessarily your favourite episode, but I do think you're going to have a lot of fun, if that makes sense. Like, there are there are some things that I'm looking forward to talking about with you um, for fun reasons. <laughs> it, it's I, I will say it is it is a cut to the tension after this episode. Like, it is not. Okay. It that's is, fine. I think that that's actually probably good. It is very very much like a respite after the intensity that was the, this episode. The only thing that I will be disappointed because I, the title doesn't give me a lot to go on. No. Not that it usually does, but this one in particular, I'm not really getting any sort of immediate ideas. This so, one's definitely like sometimes there are like setting relevant and sometimes there are like con relevant. This yeah. is definitely a con relevant title. Okay. So in this case, I'm just going to tell you what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Because I don't really know how to predict for it. Yeah. What I hope is that if it's a less intense episode, I'm more than happy to have that. I think it's good to have a little bit of a a dip in tension because if you keep going up, there's just nowhere to go. So it's good to have lulls. It's good to have filler-type episodes. That's the point of them. Yeah. However, I will be disappointed if we don't address Nate's drinking. I'll be Mm -hmm. shocked if they don't. I'm expecting them to address it. I will be disappointed if they don't. Okay. I'm hoping that we get a Sophie cameo just because she wasn't in this episode at all. However, obviously, like I said before, Gina Bellman was on maternity leave, so she may not have Sometimes wanted to. Sometimes that's not feasible. Yes, yeah, she probably had other shit going on, and that is more than fair enough. So as much as I will miss Sophie, I, like, I'm like i not going to be mad if we don't yeah. get it. And that is probably it. Okay. Other than that, oh, and I hope Elliot's not gross again. Yeah. Other than those three things, I am super happy with basically what, any direction they want to go, particularly if it's a filler episode. I'm yeah. expecting it to be probably a little bit more fun than this episode, yeah. uh, if it's going to be less tense. 
Yeah, I basically I just really hope that they address Nate's drinking and whether or not he is still drinking in this mm. episode I think will be really interesting. How he's handling that, how the team's handling that, whether Sophie knows. I assume yeah. someone calls Sophie to fill her in on yeah. that, you know, and so that's why I'm, I'm kind of make, thinking that we might get some Sophie. Maybe she mm. calls to check in kind of yeah. thing, even if she doesn't speak to Nate directly. Mm. Um or even if we don't actually get Gina Bellman, even if we get like a we get half a phone call yeah. kind of thing, where like it's in, if you know that they're, they're talking, talking to Sophie, yeah. but we don't actually hear from her, or even if it's just a voiceover kind of thing. However, whatever, that's what I'm hoping for. Okay, yeah, love. And I guess we will see you next week. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you want to interact with us at all, you can find us on various social media platforms. We're always happy to chat, and you can find all the links in the description below in our link trees for both. Thief Stills the Podcast and also our Supernatural Podcast, Driver Picks the Podcast. If you want to talk to us, suggested conversation topics include how deep all the Jimmy Ford stuff is because I cannot say anything to Beth and it's driving me insane. <laughs> oh, yeah. Please, like, beyond anything else, just go talk to Jamie because I feel like she needs it. I feel like she needs an outlet <laughs> because she just can't tell me. It's an unfortunate – I mean, it's part of the fun of the pod, but it is sort of an unfortunate necessity is that she literally can't tell me all the things that are driving her insane. I would really love to know more, or as much that is not spoilery, about the food insecurity topic, because Mm -hmm. that is something that, like, personally, I actually find very fascinating and I'm very passionate about. So I would love to talk more about that in relation to Parker, but also into relation of the rest of the team. Like, the fact that Elliot is, like, really into cooking, I also think is fascinating for Mm -hmm. a number of reasons. So I would love to talk about that with anyone who will listen to me. Yes. (laughs) And will converse with me. Character development stuff. Mm -hmm. Um... Also, do you think Beth will like the way the season ends? I think she will. Do, yeah, let based me know. on what she said today, <laughs> do, do you agree? Because, like, I don't know. I, I think so. Hope so. I hope so. I like the way the season ends. This show is a lot more fun when I like the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> way <Sorry>. more. <laughs> um, how refreshing it is that she's finally starting to, like, enjoy the character development and the bits we're getting and, like, I mean, to be fair, I've been enjoying it for a while. This is just getting, like, a lot more meaty. Like, obviously, yeah. the further we go into it, the meatier is going to get. So this is just – we're ramping up now, and I'm enjoying it. Also, how pumped you are for her to see the next episode, because I'm excited, and everyone listening probably knows exactly why I'm excited. So, <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. Hope you have a good evening, afternoon, day, morning, night, midnight, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., I don't know. Fucking 6 a.m. in the morning. Someone, you may be doing your morning jog. Maybe it is Maybe you're also... bath-coated and you're going for a walk at 6 o'clock in the morning listening to a podcast. <laughs> or maybe you're exactly like us and you're listening to this at like 11.30 on a Sunday morning. Happy brunch. Same hat. <laughs> that Bye. wasn't relevant. Bye. <laughs>I saw the little um the Snapchat you sent and my I literally like the message I sent back like Bones and a hat. Do you know why I said that? Because that's what I said out loud when I saw the photo. I was like, Bones and a hat. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever said. I was like, I better share it immediately. So I mean uh, you're that, welcome. That's the dumbest thing I've ever thought I better share it immediately is the entire concept <laughs> of that podcast. Yeah, you are not wrong. Ooh, okay.